Welcome to the Survival Podcast for people who take movies too seriously. We survived the apocalypse, so you don't have to. I'm Johnny. And I'm Shane. Hey, Johnny. Yeah? Pull my finger. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to do that. I don't... I... <laughs> or sorry, pull, pull my finger. Pull my finger. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad, yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah, not many people know that. Say not many people know that. Not many people know that. Uh, I really that's that's that pretty good. Um, I wish I could do accents. Yeah. My name's Michael Payne, and I'm a nosy neighbour. That was the first <laughs> show. <remember. laughs> Have you ever seen Michael Caine doing his Michael Caine impersonation? No. <laughs> He's on Graham Norton, and Graham gets him to do his best Michael Caine impersonation. That's really funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. So this week, of course, you've seen from the title, we are doing uh, Children of Men, the 2004 film. 2006? Oh, is it? I thought it was 2004. Um, The film, anyway. (laughs) Uh, Based on the novel by P.D. James. And directed, of course, by... I can never pronounce his surname, but it's Alfonso Corin, I think, is how you pronounce it. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either. Uh, A lot of people would have seen his films whether you know it or not especially because he directed a harry potter movie so oh that's right yeah, yeah so the film actually has five screenwriters one uncredited so six oh, yeah. all together uh alfonso Corone is one of them and uh i this is the type of thing that people might like think would make him a bad filmmaker but i kind of appreciate uh he never, read, gonna the, say. He never read the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then I did wonder, I wonder, did he read The Prisoner of Azkaban? It'd be <laughs> yeah. so much funnier to like, to adapt, what is that, like the fourth Harry Potter film? Oh, I think so, yeah. To be yeah. that far, far into a series and just not read the book you're, you're directing. <laughs> um, I, I read that tidbit of information and I was like, really? But I get, because he had a vision of how he wanted to tell the story. Like, he'd read whatever version of the script and thought, okay, well, the, that character Lark doesn't make sense. We can drop that. But like, he looks at it logically. Like, that's but that's the story. thing. Like, how writing credits work. I mean, there's four other credited writers on it. So, like, there was obviously, by the time he actually came on board, there had probably been, like, three drafts and he just done yeah. his own draft. So he was just, he was rewriting their adaption. Yeah, and he was looking at it from, like, what's the best narrative structure for a film, which I completely understand. But um, I'd still be curious to read the movie or to read the books. um, Yeah, it's completely different. We can get into that. Uh, Before we do get started, I do want to ask people, if you uh, wouldn't mind throwing us an old review, do so. Uh, we usually ask at the end, but I think a lot of people don't listen to the end. Uh, Or, like, (laughs) you know, as soon as they hear the outro music start to play, my... uh, tune out uh so if you're on apple podcasts uh podchaser cast box or podcast addict they all have review sections stitcher used to but they don't anymore but nobody listens to stitcher so it doesn't matter it's fair it's surprising to me that google podcasts don't have a review section yeah i would have thought so or podbean but yeah uh, yeah only a handful of them do but Amazon might actually check out whatever app you use. Check to see if you can review us, uh, and do if you can. I think, I, but I don't. The thing is, I don't actually know how important it is on the other services. I know on Apple Podcasts, it makes a big deal difference. It's very important on Apple. Yeah, it's pretty much more important. It's like the 
the algorithm like takes reviews uh, or at least star ratings. Uh, they put more importance on that than actual download numbers. Yeah, or content type or quality. Uh, so let's get into the film anyway. Yeah. So uh, we're set in England in 2027 after uh, an unknown catastrophe has rendered humanity infertile, or particularly women. And uh, that's actually the first difference from the book, that it's men in the book and women in the movie. Oh, okay. Which is funny because like, the book's written by a woman and the men are infertile. Then like five lads adapt the book and, like it, <laughs> and they change it around. But, uh, so it's I in 2020. So I, I, I get uh, in movie, it being women, it's more dramatic, I suppose. Yeah. I, I mean, does it, like, it, it wouldn't matter. Like for the world, it wouldn't matter. Uh, yeah. They wanted to put the focus on a pregnant woman, so it made sense for them but yeah but anyway it, but but the other thing then is it's it's almost like a different when you start changing those type of things because like you know we're, we're going to change who the virus or whatever affects because we want to tell this other story that yeah. isn't in the book then you're like well why not just make a different film yeah then it is just totally different than the point yeah. yeah and even like the thing with the name like the name's called it's children of men and does that name even make sense and uh, I I always thought of it as like you know, the children of mankind. Well, it is, but yeah, but there, there is like this stuff in the book too, where like because like it happened with anybody, like the idea of an entire like gender becoming sort of the reason that humanity is about to exit. Yeah, it changes the the power structure in the world. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there's a lot of that in the book, and it's not in the film. There's a lot of stuff, like a lot of the themes and stuff in the book just aren't in the film. And it kind of ends up just being like, oh, well, they're both just set in a in like a dystopian England where there's no children. And that's kind of, that's where the similarities begin and end, you know? Yeah, which is just a very basic concept. Of that, too, like. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, the, so we're, it's set in 2027. The book's actually set in 2021, January 2021, uh, to be specific. Great. The first line of the book kind of begins like 1984, actually. It's written, it's um, Tio's journal, but the book switches between first and uh, second person. So the first line is, early this morning, 1st of January 2021, three minutes after midnight, the last human being to be born on earth was killed in a pub brawl in a suburb of Buenos Aires, aged 25 years, two months and 20, or and 12 days. Wow. Which is just a great beginning to the book. Uh, and that's pretty much the beginning to the film, too. Yeah. We much. just get it from news reports. And they, then I get away, like, they, because when the movie's made and released, then they kind of updated it a little bit. So it's, uh, it was made in 2006, or came out in 2006, and it's set in 2027. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's to be expected. The book was written in the 90s. Oh, no. And then, and then the, youngest person dies he's like 18 not 25 mm. yeah and there is all differences there too he's um it's almost treated like a princess diana yeah that in the film in the book it's kind of it's it's noteworthy and it's on the news but there was no celebrity culture around him or anything 
okay. He was just known. It was known that he was the youngest, but there was no like nobody hounding him for autographs or stuff like that. Yeah, because in the movie, it's like everyone is crying and people are stunned watching yeah. TV. And I didn't, to be honest, that was one of the only, one of the few things I really disliked with the film. I thought that was really like student filmy kind of idea. Nobody would give a shit. Yeah. Because in reality, nobody actually, like things are too bad for anybody to care that much. People would be like, oh, that's pretty sad that even the the youngest person just died. But then you just be like, well, now there's just another younger, youngest person, you know? It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Nobody would care. At least I don't think so, anyway. I think most people would act like how Tio acted in it, where he just didn't really care. Yeah. But is that nearly... Well, no, it's not that world where like, people are faking to it. Like, there's no need for that. No, I don't. Uh, I think I think the idea, what they're trying to get across in the movie is just the fact that, like, even though like it's not like the youngest person could then have children, but it's just the idea being that he is, like, the last... He'd potentially be the last person ever to live. And then people put a lot of their hopes into that concept that, of him. And then that's what, like, it's like that hope is gone. But even the newscasters, like, talk about, I oh, know the, the, the mantle is handed on to a woman this time. Um, and he, like, describes their age, and she's, like, a day older than him or something. Yeah. Like, it's not even that much of a difference. But what you're describing, like, I think that is why they've done it. But what you're describing is what I don't buy. I don't buy that people would actually feel like that. Yeah. I don't think they'd put any sort of hope in that. I think that it's such a hopeless situation. I don't think, I don't think something like that would be any sort of solace to ninety percent of the population. You know, and like, not to skip ahead, but when you match it to there's a world where the government are giving out free suicide kits. I don't think people are going to care that much. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so that happens at the very beginning, and you know, we learned that Britain is home to pretty much the last functioning government and exists yeah. in a semi-authoritarian state uh, attracting migrants fleeing other countries that are just devastated through every like plague, war everything yeah. though it's uh, it's kind of actually unclear whether how, how many immigrants are coming into the country or are they just getting rid of all the ones that were already there is this like a, a worst case scenario of Brexit you know <laughs> There's a bit of that. I think it's. I think it's kind of both. I think it's. There's no immigrants allowed in, and then anyone who is there has, like is not allowed to stay. You know, because at one point, even there's Theo meets a guy and he's like has a Northern Irish accent. <laughs> he's in one of the camps. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like so it seems to be anyone who's not like British and has to is considered a fugitive or a fugitive. Yeah, yeah. A fu- yeah, that's what Jasper refers to them as a Fuji. Yeah. And you mentioned the suicide kits there. So that's the, the practice yeah. of quietus is encouraged yeah. but to those over 60, which is essentially just a state-sponsored program uh, where you get, you're sent out a kit to kill yourself if you want. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the book, it's actually more of a, it's like a, they do like mass ceremonies. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that's really mentioned. I think it might actually be implied in the film, but just like in the background, there's an ad for this, like joining the ceremony or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just mentioned, and then there's a scene where he's going into. I think it's when he's going to go see his cousin. Yeah, and he drives by, 
and there's all these people in like yellow rain jackets out in the street and I think the idea is that they were all going to do a big mass suicide together but then you don't see it it's literally just this group trying to preach their doctrine or whatever yeah I think that might just be more of the religious groups oh yeah they're the ones who like oh he he references that with Jasper actually doesn't he he says the last yeah. girl he was dating she referred to him Sorry, yeah, I'm mixing that up. Now we should probably get to uh, talking about introducing that character before we talk about stuff he uh, experiences. Yeah. We're introduced to just a London in shit where it's like bu- they haven't updated buses since since children stopped being born. I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's a police state essentially. It's a it's it's an Orwellian regime essentially. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing that's not in the book. There, there is a, a dictator. But it's more a case that like nobody else wanted a job. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's, it's not this. There's not this. Everybody's kind of just going about their business, and yeah. the Orwellian like regime. It, so it is there, but it's not on the surface. Basically, you learn later in the book that they are uh, a big brother, but there's no there's no real evidence of it the way there is in the film, oh, okay. where it's just like screens telling you to kill yourself and shit like that in the book actually the way people are living feels more like the way people are living with coronavirus where people are just trying to get by as things go to shit yeah yeah. but like when you think about it if um if you were over like you're like okay so the human race is going to be gone in 60 to 70 years like why would you bother buying a new car or manufacturing new buses or anything like um, or you wouldn't build any more buildings and obviously i meant to look it up actually and then i forgot i was i wonder how many people die of natural causes every day in the world you probably have stats like that probably looked at it that like how quickly will the population actually decline you know um, and there there is what 18 years after the last person being born like, so it's it makes sense that just so many industries and things just collapse there's nobody's interested in continuing on you know? Yeah, well, you see, it's. A, I was thinking about that, like, how long would it take and was there any point getting statistics? And essentially there there isn't because after 10 years, ye, ye, the statistics would completely change anyway because most yeah. crime is committed by people under 30. <laughs> so, so, so a lot, like, the funny thing is a lot of older people would actually be a lot safer technically in that world, but yeah. depending on where they are, like, we... we people have t- turned into savages in this world so they probably won't be but it does mean that our current statistics actually probably won't give you any clue to what that world would it's be like so different yeah uh but in this uh sort of yeah this horrible version of london we we meet uh t.o farron played by clive Vaughan, who's a former activist turned alcoholic bureaucrat yeah what is it uh, that's another hint to um 1984, he works for like something like the ministry of something like it's a made up ministry. You know, the way in uh, 1984, like they have a ministry for fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can't think what it is. I think it's the ministry of power or something like that. Yeah, like I think they kind of lay on the 1984 stuff a bit too heavy in it. Yeah. But I, I get it. But So we're introduced to Theo Farron and yeah, they. Like, the, fir- the first scene, there's a, a bomb in a cafe that he just about uh, survives. It's even pointed out he, he survived because he... He survived, actually, because he's an alcoholic. Because he just got his coffee. He didn't want to put cream or sugar or anything into it. So he wanted to go outside and sneak some whiskey into it. And then the bomb blew. 
really good way of looking at it. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Alcoholism saved him. Yeah. And like, so anyway, later in the film, because we've already been talking for ages now. Yeah. Uh, and I guess this kind of goes to just how much of a hellhole London is that Tio is kidnapped in broad daylight and nobody even turns around and threw into yeah. a truck uh, by a, a group, a sort of a rebel activist group called the, the Fishes, led by his ex-wife, Julian, led by Julianne Moore. And he's tasked with uh, securing some travel papers, documents for uh, a refugee girl uh, from his cousin, who is a, a sort of a low-ranking minister within the government. Which still means he has a lot of power. Sorry? Sorry, he still has loads of power and stuff to, uh, because of, or he just lives a very affluent life because that's the world they're in. Yeah, yeah. I think he actually has very little power. He even says that, that yeah. he does, he not, he's not even sure if he has clearance to get them when they meet. Mm. But yeah, and that's pretty much the plot. Tio is in it for the money. He's going to be paid a couple of grand. Although how little they're going to pay him. They're like, oh, we think we can get our hands on five grand for you. I was like, five grand? Like, Jesus. Well, five like, grand just to get the papers isn't bad. But then yeah, yeah. he can, un- later when he does get the papers, he can only get uh, like companion papers, meaning because he has to pretend, even to his cousin, he pretends that this is his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. So he has to go with her. And then they, I think they like say they, they might be able to get him a couple more grand on top of that and that's where I'm like well no now that's not worth it yeah yeah five grand just to get the papers fine but seven to like go with her no yeah <laughs> fuck that <laughs> yeah it's not worth it now and that's now another thing just to talk about the book for a second that uh so none of that stuff his ex-wife he does have an ex-wife in the book but she doesn't reappear and oh, yeah. Julian is just a stranger. She, he's an he's actually quite a different character in the book too. He's an Oxford professor, and I think she was in one of his classes. She's younger, like she's in a, uh, she's one of the last. Julian's like one of the last born in the book. Oh, she's part of that generation. Like yeah, yeah. Well, it's, um, a, it's a little bit implied um, the girl in Children of Men that like she is very young, like she's only like nineteen or twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, like Julianne Moore's character I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, that she is that age in the book. And yeah. it, and this is much better. He uh, He's cousins with the dictator of England, but ah. also essentially stepbrothers. He was raised with him to live together and he used to be his chief advisor. Oh, Until he just okay. kind of got sick, sick of the job and left. And now he just yeah. lives in this massive townhouse by himself. Like, he's he's loaded in the book. Okay, so he actually has better connections than... Yeah, and he's not, like, he's not, like, a cynical alcoholic. He's actually, like, really... <laughs> the, the, what, I, what I love in the book is he has a really good life, and he's quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> he, um... Because the thing is, like, his life kind of went to shit before this happened. Yeah, there's kind of like a tragic backstory, kind of very like the true detective thing with uh, Matthew McConaughey's character. He um, he, there was an accident where he he caused the death of his own child. Oh no! And so he, he yeah. So it's kind of it's quite dark, but like now that <laughs> there's this weird thing where now that everybody else. Sorry, is I have like, to. Sorry, something wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. baby, I gotta run. 
Give me two seconds. Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> Perfect timing, hey? So I can't remember where we... Well, I, can I leave that bar in? What, did I have to go? Yeah, go on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, okay, we it. It's just fitting that we're talking about a world without children, like people aren't having babies and you have to go to look after your baby. baby was crying. <laughs> yeah, it was just good timing. Yeah. Um, especially because I was talking about like a bad thing from the novel, so it, it brings the mood back up. Yeah, yeah. This is something I thought of when you were away, though, that I forgot to mention at the start. Uh, P.D. James, the author of the book, that's her in the cafe at the beginning holding the dog beside Clive Owen. The, the old lady. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's mad. Good cameo. That's a, another thing too, because she died for, she was like 98 when she died or something, 94 maybe, like yeah. a few years ago. So I think she would have been like early 70s at best when she wrote Children of Men, which it just seems like... It's not a book I'd expect a a, a a granny to be writing, you know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Does she have like a huge library of books she written before? Yeah, but I think she'd mainly written like thrillers and missed like detective mysteries and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah. But a really like a very violent and just weird, like a very violent and like horrifying sci-fi dystopian novel it's just i don't know it's just not something i'd typically yeah. expect from an old lady or an old man for that matter like but i know what you mean it's kind of because at that point in your life you're so far beyond the thoughts of like having children and all that kind of like it's not yeah. necessarily like in your mind you know what I mean? if anything you're like maybe thinking about your grandchildren but even like you read like um, Arthur C. Clarke's like his later novels like they get much more although he was very hopeful in a lot of his stuff but yeah, a lot of the time with writers the older they get the, the less cynical they get not that this is a cynical book or movie they're actually like about hope so I guess yeah, yeah. I guess so they start very dark but they're essentially about the importance of hope yeah I know what you mean it's kind of it's, yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's kind of a dark topic or kind of way to think for someone when you're older, later in life. Yeah. yeah, so I guess, like, what do you think of the, the world in it in terms of realism or likelihood? I love it. <laughs> well, um, no, first of all, one big question. Or, no, sorry, you had something else to... You were going to say something else, sorry. No, go on, ask me the first one. So do you think that England would be the last functioning government if this was a global problem. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> They're barely functioning now. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, before COVID. In, in, in that way, it has a lot of parallels to uh, Beef Vendetta, I suppose, but it's a bit more fancy. Yeah. Fantastical, I suppose. Because um, it's like over the top, like, dictator it's it's just nazi germany and in a lot of ways uh, where yeah yeah this is much more realistic that it's like all the i can't remember the name of is it um is that when uh, westminster where like all the rich people live behind the wall yeah, the gates yeah. and they like have pet zebras and shit and they're just like it's all rich people and like soldiers who guard them 
and stuff, and it's just they all just are living extravagant lives where they're just basically having like orgies and parties all the time, and eating the best yeah, foods, yeah. And, stuff. and um, like I really liked all the whole idea of it, and then like we were saying earlier of how you know why would the government invest in like new cars or tra- or new buses or any of that kind of stuff? It's a kind of a pointless exercise, you know that. Um, that the world is so much more fucked for like those eighteen-year-olds when they're in their fifties and sixties. Like, are, will they even get that far? Will they just commit suicide before? Um, yeah. What I what I really like. Well, they'll have nobody movie, to take care of them, kind of. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what I really like about this movie is the depiction of the characters and like kind of how they talk and act. Um. Like your woman who's the midwife ju- doula kind of character. And, and yeah. She's totally like, I, what I, where I'm getting at is, I think the fact that loves, like there's a whole generation of people now in their like late 30s, early 40s who didn't become parents. They still kind of act a bit yeah. like they're 22. And I was, I was 22 when this movie came out. And I will be the same age as... Uh, Clive Owen's character in the year 2027. So I'll be 42, and he he was 42 when he made the movie or when the movie came out. Yeah, and I was kind of like I kind of relate to it a lot because I think it's 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 a story about our generation. It's a story about people our age. Like all the characters are our age. They're just seven years older than we are right now, and that's the thing I found I really related to. Like I I don't know that just really worked for me, even when it came out in 2006. That's why his, like, Jasper, Michael Caine's character, who is best friends with Clive Owen, Clive Owen's character goes out to visit him regularly yeah. to just hang out and smoke weed with him. Yeah. Uh, and, and and Jasper, Michael Caine's character, like, he's kind of a prepper in a way because he's, like, hidden. He's got, like, a, you know, he hide, he has bushes to hide the path to his house that he moves yeah. to get down there and stuff. But um, Jasper talks about how... Julian and Theo met at a protest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so considering the age they're meant to be before all this happened, that would have most likely been an Iraq war protest. Ah, uh, okay, very good. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about the people that are, they're still like perpetually 22, but yeah. they're all still like activists and they're like want to bring down the government and they all look like certain guys we went to college with yeah, yeah, because they're of that generation that that's what people that was kind of like what that age group was like between like 1998 and 2002 yeah exactly <laughs> now actually maybe it wouldn't have been the Iraq war they'd have been met pro but you know what I mean it'd have been that around that it, generation it was like the Bush era basically yeah, yeah. it was it became a very popular way to be which was to uh, yeah protests against I suppose the Bush era in a way and like the war in Iraq and all post 9-11 kind of war and stuff yeah yeah and like this film also uh, was being shot just months after the uh, London tube bombings which is that's crazy as well yeah Uh, but yeah no I do like that it's a future of that generation yeah, even though like the world has completely gone in a completely different direction for us, and it's changed us then as a result. But the, but then I was also thinking about it, it was like so now as like the age I'm now compared to say in 2006 when the movie was made, 
like me compared to my 22 year old self then comparing myself to how i'll be in seven years time i'll probably be very much the same as i am now (laughs) yeah i don't think you change i think most of your development is done by like 25 yeah yeah exactly like i'm not uh you can still grow as a person forever yeah of course I think your your fundamentals are probably much the same, like how you would handle something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My how I react to scenarios and what I would how I would um, I suppose uh, negotiate myself through situations and the exact same. Yeah. yeah. Now, though, in regards to the world, I do think that the version in the book is more like like if this happened for real, where. Uh, either like both both men and women uh, are infertile let's blend both both together i think things go a bit more like where people are just waiting for for humanity's exit rather than i don't think i don't think we see this dictatorship come into power and like there'd be rebels fighting in the street and and rebel groups and all this because i don't think anybody would care like why would you why would you care? Why would you join a rebel group and fight for freedom when you're like, nothing's, this is, we're going to achieve nothing because we're going to be dead in a few years anyway. That that was the big thing I didn't buy with the movie is like, they talk about how like, the world has devolved into um, like war and famine and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, there'd be some of that because people just go batshit crazy. But, well, there'd be famine certainly. But, yeah, yeah, but I was kind of thinking, like, I don't know how much if there would be, yeah, exactly that kind of... Because people just won't give a shit about anything anymore. Yeah. Because, like, all hope is gone. That there's no future for humanity. But then, I suppose, like, how many people now... Um, okay, not, like, think of, like, how many, say, politicians and CEOs are thinking about, like, how the world is going to be for the next generation. <laughs> you know, now. Um, or how many people on the street even think those things, you know? People are very selfish about themselves, so it's hard yeah, to figure out. Isn't, there isn't even going to be a next generation, so are they thinking about anything? I mean, there's no corporations anymore because they're not. They're not. There's nobody to sell anything to. Yeah. You know, the eighteen to thirty-four demographic, which is the only demographic any any marketing group cares about, they yeah. essentially won't exist in a few years. So, like, what's the point? Yeah, so you, like you're looking at mass um, unemployment, but then you're kind of population decline as well. So it's kind of would it balance out? But it wouldn't because yeah, obviously it's like you have to have like for like skills or industry. And, and, and. Yeah, I mean nobody's going to university. What's the point of going to university when there's nothing waiting for you afterwards? <laughs> I think the solution is to be like Jasper. It's like just living in the woods, listening to music and reading books and just waiting. Smoking a ton of weed. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's... But I think his character, he's probably the most realistic. I think a lot of people just do that. Um, Tio is more like that in the book. Um, Yeah. And then, like... You see, the thing with Tio's character is because he doesn't... He just doesn't care. He already had his loss before... Before all this happened. So this doesn't this doesn't really matter to him. Jasper is he he was too old to have children anyway, and yeah. you know his wife is in a vegetative state. I guess she's kind of catatonic. It's 
I don't know, has it gone into more? Is she a character in the book? Cause it's pretty in... much the same in the book, but she's just she's not like just completely catatonic, but she's the she's on her way out. Like uh, also, the funny thing is, Theo doesn't really like Jasper in the book. Oh, <laughs> Jasper, his visit out, his first visit out to Jasper in the book is because Jasper wants to come and move in to Theo's because Theo has like a five-story townhouse to himself (laughs) and Theo uh, Jasper and the wife want to like move in and like he'll pay him and they just like take a floor and Theo just like oh I'll think about it but like he doesn't he's just like oh no I don't want to live with this guy they they basically want him to look after them because they don't have yeah exactly yeah um, but I think they're, you see, the reason they don't care about it so much, well, Jasper in the film and both of them in the book is, yeah, because they've already had their losses and stuff. Yeah. So they're better equipped to deal with the, with it psychologically. Whereas everybody else, the big problem in the book is everybody's just gone fucking mad. Yeah. Like there's no, the, the, the dictatorship isn't as heavy on the surface but like you know the way you've noticed that obviously in the film that like loads of people have pets yeah as a replacement for kids in the book like people fucking go and get their cats christened and shit <laughs> and walk around with them in prams but yeah, but they would absolutely that is the most believable thing in the book yeah. There's, some people have um, dolls that they walk around with and there's really expensive ones that like are lifelike and other people like will get jealous of them and try and steal it. Oh, that's creepy. It's man. Oh. mental. It's, it's, yeah, it's real creepy, but it was the, that was the one part in the book where I'm like, that is absolutely what would happen. Yeah, those like life dolls or whatever. Oh, that's so creepy. When Tio first, like, he, he just, he isn't kidnapped or anything in the book somebody just like comes and asks him to meet with them in this church out in the country and as he goes to meet with the group he has to wait because there's a christening going on and it's just like a bunch of weirdos getting their kittens christened and making there's this big (laughs) ceremony and it's just a really bizarre scene like but i really liked it i think i need to read the book after it is very good i haven't finished it yet because it's actually you know the big problem with the book is it's, a, it's about 300 pages. I think I'm only like 150 in. So I'm kind of only at the, like, plot's only kicking off for me. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed, like, so a lot of time, if I'm reading an old book, like, you know, yeah. a Moby Dick or that, you know, there'll be like maybe once or twice per chapter, I might have to, like, take out my phone and <laughs> click on the dictionary app. Yeah. I have I mean, to do that, like, every every second page with, <laughs> with Children of Men. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really well written. Like I like it, but there's some, there's a lot of uh, words I don't understand. In it. I feel really dumb reading it. Oh no, I hate that. Um, <laughs> that's annoying. And then, there, but, but it's worse because it's stuff where like I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I know what that means. But in this context, I, I think I must be wrong, and you have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it hurts. It hurts your ego. Uh, yeah, that's fine. But you know, this is what when a woman of like eighty odd writes a book. You know, she's had decades and decades of learning big words so you don't need to feel too bad <laughs> i'm um, yeah I've, I've kind of been making my way through a lot of like older written novels and some isaac osmond stuff and it's the same oh yeah, yeah i haven't a clue of half the fucking words are, like, the same. but I st- you still follow it and understand it but, yeah but it's yeah. just 
I'm like, oh well, I, I wouldn't have used that word <laughs> to describe that well, that way. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. Like, she's a good writer, so none of it's actually. You don't have to take out the dictionary. I just, it's yeah. just a habit I have that I, I have to. But yeah, and it's completely pointless because I'll never actually remember the word, or I'll remember it, but then I'll just be like Russell Brand, where I'm just using big words that I've forgotten the meaning of. <laughs> I no, I get what you mean. Like, if I, if I was sitting reading a physical book, I would do that more. Uh, but lately, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. Um, because I just find they're handy, yeah. like, in bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not going to be baby, It's easier, because <laughs> you can sit in the dark and listen to a book. <laughs> this is why I should probably get a, an e-reader, like a, a Kindle. <laughs> I you were going to say, this is why you should get a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I've heard worse reasons. Yeah. So, like, that with an audiobook, like, if you hear an affluent word that you don't understand, like, you just kind of get on with it, where, like, sit and read mm. a book and be like, oh, what does that mean? but at least if i had a kindle you can just like highlight the word and it'll give you the translate if you have the dictionary installed it'll give you the translation i know i didn't know it could do that so someone said that to me it was probably you said that to me. maybe yeah and i was like no wait that's cool yeah it'd be a lot handier than like taking out my phone unlocking it you know it's just it only takes like 20 seconds but when yeah. you're doing that every page of a pd james oh, okay. novel i i kind of have this vision of you like sitting in bed being able to take the book take out your bookmark put it in put it in get out of bed walk over to your bookshelf get out the dictionary flick through the pages <laughs> and then for some reason you don't bring the dictionary back to bed with you you put it back on the shelf get back into bed <laughs> I read, read another page read another page then you have to do it all over again <laughs> Yeah, and maybe I should get another Google Home Assist just so as I can shout at it to tell me what a word means while I'm reading. <laughs> and then you mispronounce it and it's just like, I don't understand. But where were we? Oh yeah, so people uh, treating cats like babies. Yeah, that's good. That, that's very realistic, like dogs and cats. I mean, there are, it's kind of a, a cliche, but there are people who, you know, maybe were single too long, kind of fell out of the dating pool, aren't pretty much have resigned themselves to the fact that they're not going to have kids and they just buy a bunch of cats <laughs> like that's a thing people do nowadays so when the entire world knows that they're not going to have kids i can see it's becoming a thing yeah. and there are people like there's people that treat their animals like children even call them like they call themselves like a oh, dog mom and stuff like that oh that freaks me out when people yeah it's really weird or they say to their dog like like does daddy's little boy want a snack and this kind of yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and you're like uh dude you, you, um, yeah don't do that <laughs> yeah i hadn't thought of that because you don't see any of that in the movie so that's, that's absolutely weird no you do, you see them go. you see that a lot of them have pets but there's no real attention call to it yeah and obviously the virus is only affecting humans because there's still less animals and actually that that mm. was the thing I, I meant to ask you because maybe i missed a throwaway line but um is it ever referenced why it's all the fields of burning cattle? Because you see that, like, there's a couple of shots in the movie where, like, they're just in a car and it goes mm. by a field and you see smoke in the field and then there's, like, a close-up of, like, burnt hooves in the field and stuff. Yeah. Like, these mass no, graves. But they never say why. But I'm yeah, assuming no, it's no because that. all I could assume was it's the reduction of population that the cattle farmers have too much cattle to feed people yeah that's what but the funny thing is i i remember seeing this like back when we were in college around that time anyway and i remember noticing that and just it being like what the hell's going on there and not being able to figure out what it meant 
But now rewatching it, I was like, oh, exactly what you said. And it's only because of what we saw with coronavirus, with them dumping, <laughs> dumping food, like burning food stockpiles. And remember, like, there was that story where, like, dairies had, had dumped something like, I don't know, it was something like 400,000 litres of milk <laughs> down a drain, essentially. Oh, yeah, because they couldn't transport it in time. Yeah, well, because there's just, I think, because there was no demand for it or whatever. Yeah. But either way, it was only that, like, from reading stuff like that during coronavirus that I was like, oh, okay, so it's population so so low that they don't actually have a use for these animals now. That's all I could think it was. But then the irony being that, like, the, the population is, there's plenty of people in the world, but it's feeding British people. Like, that's the whole thing, is it's, it's yeah. all the the immigrants and the asylum seekers and stuff who just are put in cages and... Um, which is kind of, I don't know, I suppose immigration has always been a bit of a topic. Like you could watch that movie any time in the last 14 years since it came out and go, wow, that's really topical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah that, was very, that was very topical for Dan too. It's not, it's something that's actually not, it is in the book, but it's not yeah. a big point of it, but because the book was written in 1992 and it probably wouldn't have been as relevant then. Yeah, there probably wasn't as much mass migration towards northern europe i suppose yeah and you definitely weren't seeing people being put in cages and shit like that no a lot of the way the the like the imagery of how they're treated in children of men reminds me more of like you know the photos you saw from guantanamo bay and stuff like that yeah yeah. i don't think that was on anybody's mind back in 1992 no yeah because they did the whole thing of like the when yeah, it's about but when they're moving, when they're on the bus trying to get into the is it Brighton I think. And yeah, I think so. The soldiers get on the bus and just pick random people to take off and like put them on the ground with hoods over their heads. It's like oh, we're just gonna torch them and kill them. Because why not? Yeah, yeah. They didn't seem to have a specific reason for taking them off the bus apart from they just wanted to kill them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was more. It was more reminiscent of I suppose yeah, the images of. So the prisoners in Guantanamo and stuff like the hoods over the heads and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was like a weird combination of like uh, World War II internment camps and Guantanamo. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to get back to like events from the film, we'll skip way ahead. Uh, Tio yeah. gets the papers and all. There's nothing really too eventful happening there. And he... Uh, yeah, well, we said the part that he has to transport her himself because he could only get papers for two. Yeah. And they just as they're traveling in a car, him and, and the fishes, they get surrounded by a group, uh, almost like a raider kind of group, we'll call them. And Julianne Moore, Julian, ends up being yeah. shot and killed. Yeah. And so pretty much it just falls on uh, Tio to continue this journey he's got no interest in it because he just doesn't care he he he's checked out long ago he doesn't give a fuck about anything but then he finds out the key the refugee girl who is a cult key by the way very subtle yeah. uh, she's pregnant dun, dun, dun. and that just complete completely changes his which I, I think that's a great scene. She reveals that she's pregnant in a barn and uh, it's really, really on the nose religious imagery throughout this film, but that's probably the most, like the pregnant woman with the, like, a messiah-like 
possible birth, I guess. She doesn't tell him she's pregnant. She just like strips off amongst the animals and shows <laughs> her bump. It's a bit of an odd way to tell someone. But, yeah. And his, the words he's, he's, the words he says is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's, uh... But completely what I loved is that his instantly his character completely changes there's no there, he has no arc in this film and i love that because he shouldn't because this is yeah. such like this would change anybody because suddenly because i think i'd be like him in this book where or in, in the film i'd probably be more like the to in the book but where i just wouldn't give a shit but then when you do see the other actually is a bit of hope you completely change oh totally and it makes complete sense and you would not give a fuck about your own well-being after that no because he's not like he's not an action hero no. or anything, you know. He's kind of a loser in it, but he becomes quite badass because he doesn't give a shit now. He's like, "This is bigger than anything ever." <laughs> like, well, that's it exactly, and that's the thing in that world. It is. It's 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 everything. Um, yeah. He. Um, so why wouldn't you like? Yeah, absolutely, anyone would do what he does in that scenario. I think in that world. Yeah, now, so also I'll just point out because I didn't want to say it earlier because we kind of hadn't gotten to this part, but I think this is the main reason they changed it to women can't carry children in the film versus men can't, uh, versus men, men's sperm being no good in the book. Yeah. Because uh, in the, the film focuses very heavily on the pregnant woman being transported. That It's Julian that's pregnant in the book. That's oh, yeah, not yeah. really the main plot. The main plot actually revolves around like the quietus in the book. Well, so far anyway, I'm only at half halfway mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's quite what they kind of. That's why he decides to help them in the book. He goes to they tell they they want him to help him just talk to his. They don't want him to do anything other than uh, get a meeting with his cousin slash stepbrother. Oh, okay. And just and just ask him to stop to change some of the things that are happening. That's all they yeah. want from him and. They send him to view one of the quietest ceremonies so as he can see what really happens. Yeah. And he sees that mo- most of the people involved aren't actually willing. Oh, it's like forced suicide. Yeah, some of them are willing, but like people, people like back out and try to escape and they're just, they're essentially just drowned. Yeah. And it's real horrible. But also, she's pregnant and that becomes a thing. But. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, in the film, if they kept that it was men that were infertile in the film, then, like, nobody would have as much of an interest in the pregnant woman. It'd be the man that whoever the father was would be who you would want to find. Yeah. And, like, it's not as... <laughs> then it'd be just... It'd be Clive Owen transporting some dude who just has, like magic sperm you know that's not as good of a, that's not as good of a story no. <laughs> what works in the book because it's not the book isn't about that story that's just an, one thing that happens in the book like yeah but yeah that, i guess that's like that's pretty much the film it's like what do you do it's more like what do we what do we do in that scenario i guess like yeah, everybody does like... what Tio does because do you even have a choice yeah and um, like there's there's some nice things in it where he's like once he finds out his whole thing is like oh go public like tell the world and uh, like why are you trying to like move her to somewhere else like just embrace it and all that but his it's a very open attitude to it and then someone mm-hmm. makes a great comment of oh they'll just get some like posh uh, black woman to pretend it's her baby because black, it's yeah 
they'll just find a black woman with a British accent. Because the mother, like, she is a Fuji. She's mm. a she's a non-national or whatever uh, I think that's a really interesting comment because like his even for all the shit that goes on and like going by the train stations it's cages of people he still doesn't even think that way so like yeah, it yeah. really is like when you're in it you don't see it kind of thing but and that's the thing too she is she has just become a she's just going to become a tool for political parties essentially because this is also so pretty quickly we learn after due Julian's killed Tio they go and Tio and the fishes go to this farmhouse and this is where Tio finds out she's pregnant. And then yeah. pretty soon uh another group show up and it turns out that the the group that attacked their car earlier was actually there were plants. They're actually yeah, yeah. from within the group the fishes to uh because they didn't want they want they don't agree, they didn't agree with Julian taking this girl to Essentially, the fireflies from the Last of Us games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they wanted to keep her within their group because that would give them political power. And yeah. I found that interesting because that is what happens with any big activist group throughout history. They just become another political party. Yeah, they end, and end it becomes about politics. A, yeah, they end up becoming a government party. Uh, and also, never trust a crusty. Just saying. <laughs> Because you know that guy, the guy that ends up he he the guy that shoots Julian, he he was the one that he he was with the group that kidnapped Theo at the start. Yeah, yeah. but you can visualize him now in your head, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. I I've met a lot of people that look almost exactly like him in my life. Every time <laughs> they turn out to be a complete scumbag. I'm sorry, yeah, I know yeah. that's going to I know that might offend some people who might like have that look, but in my experience, people that look like that are, are usually bad news. <laughs> like yeah, I know what you mean. They're um, they might act all political and for their cause, but then they're actually just a bit of a scumbag. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're the type of person that like overstays their welcome at a house party and then at the end where it's just like there's only a handful of you left and you want to go to bed but you're like oh a friend of mine's pretty drunk and I'm yeah I'm gonna stay up because I, I really don't want to leave her in a room alone with this guy <laughs> you know he's that kind he has that luck to him because <laughs> yeah, yeah. even become, when you hear when he when you hear him talking with the rest of the group and we we hear that he was involved with it and Theo hears it too because he's he's hiding in another room and we hear the guy going like, where's Farron? He's a bloody dead man. And oh, he's got yeah. these real, this belligerent, like he's been wronged because yeah, he was yeah. knocked off the bike by Farron when well, shooting him for the car. Yeah. And you're like, you just killed his ex-wife. You're like, like it's the fact that he thinks he's, he's the one being wronged. He's so sure of it. But he's yeah. a great, like he has very little dialogue in the film, but he's a great character. He's a great villain for it because he's very realistic. I've met people like that. Yeah, he um, yeah he's like on a revenge mission because he's been injusticed. It's mm. like, but you attacked him in the first place. Yeah, like, yeah, but it's just he's that like no matter what ha- ever happened in that guy's life, he's always going to think he's right. That, and yeah. that and that's like there's a lot of people in those kind of like in ex- there's a lot of those characters in extremist groups, and they're very dangerous because of that. Because they can yeah. they will never be reasoned with. Yeah, I know, I know plenty of people like that. Um, like, I lived with a few people like that many years ago. But mm. It's a yeah, certain way of looking at the world. It's very strange. Um, 
And why are they, they're always tight cunts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always like the stingiest fucking bastards. Like, sort of thing of like, simple thing of like that you're at a party and they're, they're just, everyone's like, oh, everyone's throwing in a fiver and we're going to get a couple of pizzas. I'm like, oh, I won't eat any. That's fine. Mm. And then they'll eat like half a pizza when they arrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll never bring anything with them to the party. They'll just scrounge. They'll show up to house party empty handed and be like, oh, I didn't get a chance to get a drink. Do you have it in the spare gone? <laughs> yeah, they'll go around and just get like, they'll get like a bottle off everybody throughout the night. Yeah, and yeah. That's, and that's how they that's how they do everything. Like, yeah, and and they don't care the fact that like, like that they've no standards to the fact that they'll have like they'll have a can of cider, a can of beer, and then drink like some red wine. So they don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where we were talking, like we were talking earlier before recording, like we were talking about like different beers or stuff. Like, oh, well, I prefer to drink this. <laughs> they didn't. They don't give a shit. Like, no, like, no free no, drink no. is enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because they've spent so long doing that, they won't notice the difference anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he's exactly yeah. That's why that that's a, a really good character. He's in it so briefly, but you you just everybody knows exactly the person he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that guy. <laughs> and I do like so later. Like, it doesn't matter. It's by stuff. Like he dies uh, later in the film. I know. Like, it's really good that they didn't do this because it'd be too like cliched. Yeah. But I still wished there was Clive Owen that got to kill him. I know. Me too. But I do appreciate they didn't go that route because it just wouldn't it wouldn't happen that way. Like I like that he's just like he's just shot by incoming fire in a battle. Like just almost like a background character at that point. Not even sure if he does die. Like you just see him go down. Like but he could have just been hit in the shoulder. Did you Did you know it's um, Charlie Hunnam who plays him? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that. I forgot I his it. name. I forgot his name, but yeah. I, I know. I spent the last five minutes trying to think of it. I um, I didn't realize it was him when I was watching it. Right. Yeah. No, I did. I did like, but maybe it might have took me a bit. Like, it might have been yeah. like the second. I don't think I when he first shows up kidnapping him. I don't think I clicked with me there. I think it wasn't until he actually came back when when it's revealed that he was part that he was a plant. Like, yeah. Maybe something got to do with seeing him getting off a motorbike. <laughs> Clicked. He's it's funny, he's good in some stuff, but like he he's 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 a great actor when he's using his own accent, I think. And even though he does a convincing American accent, I think he just loses a lot of his acting chops or something when, I, yeah, when he's playing an American. Yeah, yeah, It's kinda of, yeah, it's it's like it's yeah, his acting ability is lost in the diction of trying to pronounce the word. Yeah. Way, but, but I get how that's difficult to do. Oh, no, it's, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things I don't really get why so many um, movies do that, where they'll get, like, an English or Australian person to play an American. It's like, just, especially when it's, like, an adaptation of something, and, like, just change the character to be English or, you know. He moved moved to America when he was twelve with his parents, so he still has an English accent. But you know what I mean? Like just change it a little bit, <laughs> or yeah. get an American actor. Like <laughs> I think a lot of the time it is just because typically, like let's be honest, no, no, don't take this as an insult to anybody, but like British actors do tend to be better than actors from anywhere else, really. Yeah. 
not always, but like you like quite often if you if you list off the best actors working today, if you were to do a top ten, I would say like eight of them are probably British. Yeah, probably actually. So it, like how realistic do you think the scenario like this is? Because it, it's it's one that's been in fiction for a while. Like if Juggernaut is just a very good version of it. Like I've seen it in TV shows and things that they did like um pull like people aren't having children anymore. And I'm trying to think of, like I've seen it in I know they did an episode of Sliders. Right. It's not actually something I've seen in a lot of other work. The only the only thing I uh remember seeing it in as well remember uh well so for listeners outside of ireland and most irish people probably don't even remember this but rte our national broadcaster used to run this annual competition for like young filmmakers called storyland where you (laughs) you shoot a you shoot a trailer for an idea for a show and they commission a pilot for like six of them and then every month the viewers vote on which ones to keep so oh, yeah, six week. gets a f- yeah no well I think it was Monty you won't be shooting oh, an yes, episode sir. in a week uh, so you get uh, six episodes for the first month then it's down to five down to four so essentially only one show gets a full series and one year there was one show there was remember it was just children of men I, do, I forgot about this it was it was just children of only it was like told from the pregnant woman's point of view but it was the exact same. Okay, so we haven't really talked about the actual filmmaking of it. Yeah. <laughs> but we just showed the fucking long takes are incredible. Oh, it's unreal. And they do loads of invisible cuts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, just smart editing. But and a lot of it is just one long take too. Yeah. And it's just, it's the best use of it because it does, you don't notice it. No, you don't. So many filmmakers do it just as a gimmick, and it's real noticeable. Yeah. Like, a perfect example is Daredevil does a really good one in the first season. Like, this long corridor fight scene. Kevin Smith's one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's really good. But then, because it was so good, they they have to do it. The second episode of every season afterwards, they do the same yeah. one shot take, and it becomes so obvious. And you're just like, "Oh, fuck off!" Like, yeah, you did it cool. Like that was just one certain director, whatever, made that choice, and it was a really good choice. It doesn't mean it's like that's what they yeah. do with the show now. I still I still like when they do it, but it becomes like this is a thing we do, and they try and like yeah make it better each year. But because there's so many invisible edits, it actually becomes more obvious where they're cutting every time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, you ruined it. You ru- when you draw attention to it, you ruin it. That's the key. Make it about, make the story, make it necessary to tell the story, not just to be a cool one shot. Like, like there's, there's a couple of, I'm trying to think there's some older movie does it, and they kind of do it well, and then every so often they do something bad where like the camera just pans into a wall for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to think what movie one of the best, and I, I, it was done in it. What there was no invisible cuts; it was just one shot. They shot it twice, and then used the first one was in True Detective. Oh yeah, when Matthew McConaughey, when he becomes Rusty again, or whatever his undercover character's name yeah, is, yeah, oh that was deadly. Like, get, yeah, where it's like the police raid on the um... like a compound or a ghetto or something. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I forgot about that's that. That's a really good one. Man, that show is so different. It's really so good. The the way it's done in Children of Men, and it's not just 
how it's shot, but a lot of it reminds me of the language of video games. Because like we, we yeah. the one the one shots in this, it's all long shots over the shoulders of Clive Owen, and it actually feels like almost actually you know what feels like The Last of Us because especially like so when they're when they're when they're escaping the farmhouse, it's this really long yeah. take and we're following over his shoulders the entire time, and he's sneaking around outside, and he even like you know he goes up and he takes like the carburetor out of one of the trucks. Oh, I fucking love that. That was great. Like. But that's real, like a mission in a video game where you have to sneak behind the enemy and hit and like disarm yeah. them and shit. But even he's got a yeah. he's got a life bar in the, in the film. Because yeah. early in the film, after he, the cafe explosion, he has this ringing in his ear. Oh yeah! And Julian says to him, "You know that ringing in your ears? That's the sound of ear cells dying, like their swan song." Once it's gone, you'll never hear it again. So yeah. enjoy it. And throughout the film, that sound comes back every time something bad happens to him. Essentially, we hear that ringing again, and it starts to fade. Oh, uh, I never noticed. That. That's really subtle. But it gets lighter each time. But you're there with it. Like, oh, that's really smart. Yeah. Um. Like I have to say, for the faults, like the, there's a couple of faults here. And there, like the biggest fault, as you're saying, is that so many people grieving. But, well, I don't think that's even a fault because that's just like that's their like the writers believe that that's how people would be, so it's what they think the world would be like. I just don't agree with it, you know. Yeah, I guess it is a fault then. Um, but yeah, no, but like we we've been very critical of the movie, like started this conversation and we were talking about like oh, there's too many references to nineteen eighty four and all that stuff, but. I have to say, oh, it's an excellent movie. It's like I absolutely love this movie. It's like one of the few sort of like legitimate masterpiece kind of films made in the last twenty years. Like it can stand yeah. up to, it can stand up with, to, or it can stand up against other sci fi's like two thousand and one and stuff like that. Even though I barely, it's not really a sci fi. Like technically, it's dystopian yeah. hellhole film, I guess. Yeah, I mean. A couple of years ago, we we talked about it on the podcast. When was it Zika virus or Zika virus was a big scare? We we're like, oh, that's the closest thing to children of men. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it's like voluntarily not having children because people don't want to have kids Zika that have kids, this deformity. Or, yeah, yeah. But then, like, we're who knows? Like, imagine, imagine it turns out like a side effect of coronavirus caused infertility. Yeah, or no, no, not to be that guy. Or the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you're say at least you've you've got one out of you now anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I was thinking, like, is that like how do we sit? Like, how do you survive, children of men? Do you just go out and get somebody pregnant? Like, <laughs> 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 um, so I'm not I'm not giving that advice. Start donating to sperm bank. But just to uh, skip ahead to the end, just because. Yeah just for people that might not watch it because it's just a really good scene so Tio is going to he they, they've got this group of like the human what are they called the, the humanist project the humanist project and they're scient- or the humanity project but a scientific community that can help her and like try and figure out what, what makes her special i guess and they're going to take care of her and there's like before julian died she arranged for the boat to meet them so Tio just has to get her out to the boat and they get stranded during this a war between the government's army and the rebels 
And yeah. there's just a great moment where like the baby just starts crying and everybody just stops fighting. Because oh, so they've just like the people who who haven't heard a baby's cries in eighteen years, yeah, and like it's both sides. Like the 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 military are just about are invading the compound or the building, and they're about to like they see Tio and they're about to just shoot him, and then they see the baby, and then everybody just shouts ceasefire, and yeah. they let them out. They Absolutely. like nobody tries to interfere. Like a lot of people just like gently like touch the child's feet as they pass by and it's just brilliant because there's, there's a great there's a great shot in that when they're going down the stairs and they're going past the soldiers and one of the soldiers just does that thing where like he just stands and stares at the baby and then like breaks his eye contact you know like he's never seen a baby before because mm. he's like 24 like it's just yeah it's yeah. not something and he's just you know you know when like people really rudely stare because it's something they haven't seen. Like they don't know what else to do. They stare at you like a four-year-old. Like, <laughs> and it's just a really great moment. Sorry, go on. I, I was just going to say, and then like they're, they're just about get to safety. Yeah. And then one one of the rebels fires a, a rocket launcher at the military and the fighting <laughs> just starts back up again. And I like that because they, they, it would have been it would have been a bit too unbelievable if they just decided to stop fighting each other because they saw a baby. But they, oh, yeah. they were just, it wasn't that they were like, oh, there's a baby. Every t- the future has, we have some hope now. It was, they just never saw a baby before. So nobody was interested in fighting for a few minutes. And then once the baby was yeah. out of view, they just went back to fighting. Really cool thing about that is, uh, I know that's, I read a thing where the director described as he wanted the end of his movie to be the beginning of the story. Um, I, I, uh, I was kind of thinking like, so like that scene where there's this big battle and then everyone stops because there's a baby. And then in that world, how much of that would just become like an urban legend? Yeah. yeah. Like, no, like, so how, how many people are going to survive that battle? And then of those people, like, oh yeah, I saw a baby. And then how many of them actually saw the baby? And then like, it would just become this like, whole urban legend of like, there was a baby. Yeah. I know there's other babies in the world. And stuff. It would just, but it, it, it would, Essentially, have no meat. Yeah, but also, I think very few of them survive because at the very end, we do see like three bomber planes (laughs) go in, and it looks like they fought. I'd forgotten that. Yes, sorry, I'd forgotten about that. It looks like they nuke the place. Yeah, they just firebomb it, like even taking out their own soldiers. That didn't. I I completely forgot about that until rewatching it. I'd never had would have thought that happened at the end. Yeah, I totally forgot about it. Like to the point, I was even thinking watching that. Is that even the British government? That almost looks like that's another. That's an invasion from another country at the end. I know. What you mean. <laughs> like because because as well. Like yeah, they they just clearly took out all their own troops in the end. Yeah, yeah. And why would they even do that? Like I don't even understand. Like because there's weird stuff. Like why are the Brit- why are the why is the government's armed forces even fighting these people? It. it why would they care? I don't. Yeah, it's bizarre, but like, and I don't mean that as in why would they do it, as in that's a, a, a plot hole in the film or anything. No, no. Yeah. I, I just mean like in that world, the why why anybody wants to do that is just, would just be beyond me. But I'm sure, I'm sure they would. Part of me feels like, is it just like to keep, is it to keep people busy almost? Like the war is like, was such a normal part of that society 
that they always kind of had to be fighting somebody for things to seem somewhat normal. I don't know. That's a really good perspective. It's like, or, or is it just busy work? Like the whole the whole fight against immigration is it just because think of how much to have somebody to blame busy work that creates. Yeah, yeah, like that creates so many jobs. Like 1984, where they actually are involved in a, a fake war with a continent that might not even be real. Yeah, no, yeah. who's either their ally or their enemy. Or... Yeah, yeah, depending on what year it is. Like, uh, yeah, I love that a country that might not even exist. That's gross. I never thought of that that way, actually. And do you think with, with the ending of Children of Men, do you think like do you think that the Human Project are? Do you think they're just another? fishes are they just going to make her part of their own political agenda or are they do you think they're probably uh an actual neutral force for good uh, oh absolutely they're totally things for their own agenda because <laughs> i'd like to think that the fact that julianne moore's character didn't trust her own group but trusted these that they're probably the best i suppose yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely the best option in that world. Like of, of the options that he and Theo had, that was definitely the, they took the absolute right course. Like, yeah, uh, well, like the Fireflies in The Last of Us, where yeah, they were going to kill Ellie, but they were doing it for what they saw as the greater good, even if they were kind of wrong. <laughs> uh, well, that's yeah, kind of perception. The first one, yeah, 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 is that the they kind of didn't even know it was going to work. Uh, it's totally experimental surgery. Uh, there's no no potential that they would actually lead to a cure. Um, but at least with this, there's no, uh, like, they just know she can conceive children. And, like, the assumption would be that, like, children born from her are probably the same. Like, they don't, so, like, she's yeah. pretty safe because, like, they can't, they can't kill her or her child. They need them alive, so. Yeah. In in the book is there a cause as to why the, the infertility exists no there is mention of different like pandemics and stuff but yeah. not as yet as of yet there is no cause oh, okay i think it's actually more implied in the film because they mentioned the flu pandemic in the film that killed their the killed theo and julian's son oh yeah yeah um but Whereas in in the book, the, their kid dies just in an accident. So, yeah. But they do mention that there was like the spread of disease and stuff. But whether that's linked with it or not, I'm I'm not yeah. sure. I I love. I think again is also one of my favorite scenes. It's just the the description of it's the lady's the midwife and she's talking about how it happened when they started noticing more. Like more uh, stillbirths and then and miscarriages, and then looking at her bookings ahead, she had none. Yeah, did just and one day she looked at her bookings and there was none. And I was just like, "Oh, that's crazy!" Because like, and then she she rang a colleague, yeah, and she had the same. And then she rang her sister, who was a midwife in like Sydney, yeah, and she had the same. Oh, like that. Yeah, it's a that's a great story the way it's told. It's absolutely brilliant. And it just really brings you to like, what would that world be like that you wouldn't, how long would it take you to realize, like as a society, how long would it take us to realize that it's, like, it's too late already? You know what I mean? Mm. Because you would suddenly just, 
even if it was never like discovered like that by whatever uh, it's it's such a slow burn kind of thing even though it would all you'd all know within say a year or two but you know what i mean yeah, yeah. within that year or two it wouldn't be obvious that that's what's happening even though it clearly would be but you just wouldn't no. notice yeah. Will you take like with coronavirus, like how long it took them to kind of notice the the similarities between people showing up with diff- with the same symptoms and stuff like this? Then you yeah. compare that to like, well, pregnancies. There are, I mean, you know, you you, you just lived with one for however long it takes <laughs> nine months, I guess. <laughs> but you know, how long? Ten months. But that's like, yeah. But what I was getting, like, how long before? Like the so, so, how long before you're advised to like tell people? You know, when you you find out you're pregnant, the doctors usually say it's twelve. Twelve. You have a twelve week scan, so three months is kind of yeah, okay, right? Months, yeah. Um, and then generally you tell people after twelve week scan because it's if that's good, then it's like your chances of anything going wrong after that are very low. Like it's obviously it still happens, um, but it's yeah, very yeah. like. It's considered it's safe to tell people after twelve weeks. So, for, but so that's what I was getting. So, for any like major problems that could have, I assume then that you, that you could have typically happen within the first three months. Then, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're talking at least like if everybody in the world, like you, there's there's a three month period either way. Like if 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 some virus was going to cause this infertility, there'd be a three month. It say it just hit today and it just infected everybody at the same time. I'm, I'm, It'd be three, three months before we really start to notice. Yeah, I am going to give you a mind-blowing statistic that uh, trauma rates between one in three and one in four pregnancies fail. I've heard that before, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so on average, if you're pregnant four times, like obviously that's not what's going to happen, but um, potentially you'll have one miscarriage. Uh, it's, it's, it's so common it's one of those things it's really really common and it's oh, and most of them are within that three months that and because it's not and because it's not talked about when it does happen to people no one talks they, about it nobody talks about it and then when it does happen to somebody they feel like there's a problem with them because this yeah. this thing happened to them but it's actually it's something that should be talked about more and accepted that like this yeah. unfortunately can just happen to and it's very possible this will ha- this will happen to a lot of people that uh, yeah. yeah shouldn't be kept as quiet as it is for some reason. Uh, but but it's but the reason is because it happens within that time that you wouldn't necessarily tell someone. So like yeah, yeah. So you you and your partner you could find out you're pregnant and then two weeks later you you're not feeling well or you know you have a heavy period and then it's just gone. Like, and so you kind of people don't tell people and then they just deal with it. Yeah. Because like it's. Uh, they go to the doctor, but generally at that stage, so you're fine. Like you don't need any intervention from doctors at that stage. It's it's literally just a couple of cells or whatever. So it's 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 just really common. People just don't talk about it. So yeah, that's, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's a very dark yeah. way too, because we're wrapping up. That's a dark ending. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a dark, dark world with them. It's quite a hopeful world too, though. That we're yeah, it is. That's it. Like the, the 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 end of the movie is it's all about hope. It's all about um, like there is hope. There is a future. You know the the uh, the novel is considered a, a Christian book. Oh uh, really? <laughs> I 
I don't think the writer really considers it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think the movie is too, and I think actually the movie probably more so because yeah. like they actually added religious imagery throughout it. Yeah. So, do we survive Children of Men? Well, like, I mean, everybody survives it, but <laughs> you know, would you yeah. want to? Unless there's hope, yeah. unless you're uh, you have a pregnant woman that you can save. Uh, you would just be sitting around smoking weed with uh, Michael Caine, which wouldn't be the worst thing no, no. in the world. Th- th- this is another one of those, like every so often we come across uh, like a film or a book or something where we go, I would do exactly what the characters in this movie did. <laughs> and, well, with this one, I think anybody would. But th- that's what I was going to say. Is like the, That's the thing about this story is it's like anyone do that. Like anyone yeah. would act like Theodos if he's in that position. And I get how then there's characters who would act like the fishes who wanted it for political gain, or you know, like obviously, but I think the majority of people would act like Theodos. Yeah, now the majority of people might not be like Theo in the beginning, where they might, where he's so resigned to not really caring. Yeah. Anyway, whereas I think there'd be a lot more people that would just be. Uh, well like the people that are getting their kittens christened and shit where they just can't deal with the world yeah and they they might be less uh, suitable to actually then help when there's when they finally have the chance oh like yeah you literally wouldn't have like the mental ability to help you just wouldn't know what to do yeah exactly though I think a lot of people would be like the woman the refugee woman that sort of gives them the place to stay yeah once she sees that there's a baby she's like all in trying to help as well oh that's a great moment where she goes through the door and she's like my baby really? she's like what well, i'm here <laughs> yeah yeah she thinks she's gonna steal the baby yeah but yeah. Uh, yeah no i think most people would uh if, if they saw this saw that she was pregnant that they would just instinct would kick in uh, like very likely scenario within that world even though you don't see it in the movie, but like you're sitting at home, you're watching TV, and then someone knocks on your door and they have a baby, and they're like, "Help!" You would just let them into your house. Well, in that I world, might not, but, no, in that oh, in world. That world well. Sorry, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. in, not in our current world, though, because you'd know it's. Well, a lot of people would. A lot of people yeah. would, because you know, people see a baby and they think that's yeah. But in that world, you'd just be like, "Yep." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. Everybody survives this to an extent. Uh, it's a different kind of scenario. I think everybody acts like Theo. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to have to face this situation. Not, uh, well, hopefully not anyway. No, 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 no. I mean, you're not anyway. At least you're you're in the clear for, for now anyway. You've, unless you do. Do you, do you plan to have more? Like, is that I'd, you a one and done to... kind of guy? No, I'd, I'd like to have maybe one or two more, but... Uh... Okay. Just trying to convince my wife about it. We still we've got one. That's a lot of work. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, like loads of people say, like, oh yeah, you kind of you kind of forget how tired you are, and you forget how much work it is. Don't worry, in a year or two, you'll be like, oh, let's have another one. We're we're still in that moment of like, we're never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, but the one you have now. We'll take care of the other one. So it really works that way, you know, when they're tiny and starving and screaming. Ah, uh, no, I think it does. I think no, I think it does. No, I think I think I think I know a thing or two about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's how yeah, it works. 
And then you get a cat to take care of the other one. And put it this way, right? Yeah, put, put it this way, right? I would love more kids, but I don't know if I want to have a tiny baby ever again. Because <laughs> it's so much fucking work and I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> Just That's do like, a, a Bradgelina or whatever they were called on it. Yeah, I'd be very happy to start going like, over a four-year-old three or four year old and just like that they're they're potty drained and gives them food and they'll use well you might argue with them over the food but you know what i mean like they can feed themselves and they can actually dress themselves to a point but then you can train them to do things your way your family traditions i've often taught because because i don't really i don't want kids at all like no interest in it for me but I have often thought, like, I wouldn't mind, and I'm probably close now to the age where this this might become a possibility. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if someday an 18-year-old shows up at my door and it's just like, Dad. That'd be great. <laughs> and I can just go drinking with them. <laughs> like, that that I'd be okay with. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Like, where all the work's already done. Yeah. That's, that's such a man. <laughs> That's just a lazy thing. I I know what 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 I think I do is I I do a test, right? So like I have a baby and she's gonna grow into a child and all that. But what I would do is if I want another one is I'd I'd maybe like audition them, try them out, and like they have to be able to go to the fridge, get my beer out of the fridge, and bring it to me. I don't want them any younger than that. And I'll, I'll like foster them or adopt them or whatever. Once they can do that, it's fine. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good dream to have. <laughs> that's, that's the requirement. Think... Though you can train a dog to do that. So <laughs> maybe I'll just get a dog. <laughs> just as good as as a man who ha- who has a child. It's not your mind. <laughs> Might as well just have a dog. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like I've tried very hard to train a dog to do that, and I've had very little success. So I think you're on, you're on a better course. Yeah, that's true. I know kids are great. Like I've loads of nieces and nephews, and, stuff, and they're just great. Like they're so much fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's the that's what I like. Like where I don't, I you know, I I like being the, I, I I'm okay with like being the fun uncle or the the your dad's friend that calls over but like <laughs> I, I just don't want to do any of the work you know oh yeah so you're gonna be fun uncle johnny is that your plan yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well it's not a plan but like it's my preference anyway <laughs> i'd love that if you got that that uh knock at your door yeah, it is. Uh, yeah i think it'd be uh, it, i think yet. it'd have to be, it'd be a few years now before i could well even then no i, I think it it realistically it'd have to actually be because i've had like i'm trying to think (laughs) i'm I'm pretty sure if i got like long-term girlfriends pregnant i'd I'd know about it like it'd have to be like well basically yeah you do you like you were 16 18 years ago so like you definitely know you didn't get the girl you were 16 pregnant because you probably still know her (laughs) (laughs) well that's what i'm saying yeah and i've been long-term like it'd have to be I, 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 if it was to happen, I'd, I'd be like forty before it could happen. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe not. But either, anyway, thing is, it's probably not going to happen anyway. Yeah. Do we? Do you have to pay a child support after they're eighteen? 
Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, well then, like let, let's strike everything I just said. <laughs> no, you you might get the uh, you owe me eighteen birthday and Christmas presents shtick. And just buy them a car. But... No, no, I go back and everything I said. That's still too much. <laughs> uh, so I think we have to wrap it up there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Mainly because I, I really need to use the bathroom and it's very late. That's fair enough. But uh, until next time. Oh, that's a bad sign off to just say that. Look, hope you liked the episode, everyone. Uh, give us a rating, review, uh, follow us on Twitter, come to Discord, links in the description. Anything else to add? Um, no, just, there's always hope. Yeah, and if, if in doubt, go knock somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and have a nice stay, talk. Stay safe, and sometimes don't be prepared. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>